Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Happy Twinkie Day. Happy Twinkie Day. And uh, surprise, back-to-back weeks, we're joined by Chris, a.k.a. Topher Noons. How's it going, Chris? Great. I kind of feel like the Chicago Bulls of the last dance. <laughs> going back-to-back. Going back-to-back. Uh, yes, yeah, so we back. originally had a, a different guest set, but then this Xbox stuff got announced, and... Our guest that we previously had booked was more of a PlayStation person, and it was actually pretty cool because they reached out to me and they were like, hey, maybe you want to get somebody with better insight. They're like, I could talk about this stuff, but like, you know, so that was really nice. So we hit up Chris and we're like, hey, you want to come back again next week? And you're like, I'm home. Might as well. (laughs) Nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, today we're going to be covering the Xbox Series X first look event. Uh, But before that, we have a couple of announcements to go through. So first off, we had... Jeff Keighley's Summer of Gaming be announced. And this has kind of been confusing for people from what I've seen online. And people don't kind of understand what it is. Some people interpret it as it's supposed to be like Jeff hosting this stuff and it kind of being centered on, you know, when you see the event, they're like, this is Summer of Gaming. Whereas it actually is more of like a blanket encompassing all of the events, right? So it's kind of like a hub for you to get updated and notified when these events are happening. And it's a singular location where you can be uh aware of all of the happenings in the game industry right so that's been kind of weird um i don't know if you guys kind of picked that up right away or if it took a little bit of explaining for the summer of gaming like when they announced that jeff keely was doing this what was uh, your initial reaction chris my initial reaction was he's trying to get his foot in the door and so he's saying summer of gaming so this is his initial way of trying to take over for e3 and next year he might you might see something a little bit different where he is pulling the strings a little bit more than he is right now yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dom, we were talking about would, would Jeff Keighley step in and do his own thing, and the resounding kind of argument was like, well, with everything going on with quarantine, how is he going to be able to travel or do what he's doing? So does it surprise you that Jeff Keighley, the way he does, he somehow pulled off uh, his own kind of event surrounding the game industry? Yeah, uh, I mean, it makes sense, and I, and I think what it is is, yeah, like Chris said, getting his foot in the door, and this is this is going to be a thing and he's going to seize this opportunity. And I don't think this is the only year where I have summer of gaming, right? I think this is going to stick around for a long time. Yeah. And then it's on top of it. The wording gets confusing too, because of IGN's thing, uh, which I actually may have written it down wrong. I think maybe, no, is it summer of gaming? What's IGN's thing? Similar. IGN. It's super similar. Like they felt like they could probably maybe get their foot in the door with this after E3 went down. And then he just basically stepped in and was like, you know, I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm Jeff Keighley. So we're going to just run it off this website. So, That's I'm pretty much what happened. Yeah. I did write it wrong. So sorry, to correct myself real quick, because it is this confusing. Jeff Keighley's thing is Summer Game Fest. The IGN ah. thing is Summer of Gaming. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was that was my fault. I I missed correctly uh, put it down there, but that's a funny thing. So the name is confusing to me. I don't think the the labeling of it was once you kind of figured out what it was. Of I think everyone was so far into planning and with quarantine, it's not like Jeff can go out and be like, okay, I'm gonna work this with people and we're gonna host this thing all in one location. So I think his best bet was like you guys said, in order for him to plant his flag in the ground for his eventual E3 replacement is like. I may not be able to host this stuff for you guys, but let me have some involvement. Let me kind of round everybody together and have an easy location, right, where everyone can hear about the news. So it's kind of like taking other people's work and kind of slabbing a title on it, which is pretty interesting. Um, 
as we'll get into later with the uh, Xbox event, they never mentioned Summer Game Fest, and that wasn't surprising to me because, like we said, it's more of a blanket for all of the events as opposed to it being like the sponsor, right, or highlight of the event. Um, but speaking of more events, we had two new events announced this week as well. So we have EA Play Digital. So EA is finally doing their own thing. Uh, we were wondering when this annou- announcement was going to come. That's going to be happening on June 11th. Uh, and another event that's going to be happening on June 11th is Cyberpunk 2077's Night City Wire, which seems like their own unique digital video. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Dom. What do you think about both of these announcements? And if you had to choose one that you're more interested in, which would it be? It's tricky. I, I think mm, I think Cyber. I think CD Projekt, right? Um, I, I'm st- I got I gotten a little bit excited because earlier today or yesterday, it was very recent. Um, EA mentioned that they're doing more Jedi Fallen Order, right? So I'm big into that, but I doubt I would be surprised if that made an appearance. You know, if the next game in that series made an appearance at the EA Play. So I think I'm. Whereas Cyberpunk, I know it's going to be sweet, and CD Projekt, and I trust them fully. And I want to see more of this game, so I think I think that's where, where my excitement lies. Yeah, Chris, do you feel the same or Yeah, I mean CA Project is is gonna be interesting. I feel like it's probably gonna be similar to what we saw last year at E three where they run that demo of maybe like maybe eight to ten minutes of gameplay and they run you through with that guy's voiceover and, and that sort of thing. And I, EA has just a ton of games. I think on their on their conference call that they did yesterday it was like somewhere in the neighborhood of I think ten games, one being brand new to the series that's something they haven't done before. So they've got a lot to show. They always have a lot to show. The problem is is some of the games that they, they do show nobody cares about. Like nobody really wants to see Madden re- regurgitated again. Nobody really wants to see FIFA regurgitated again. So a lot of the stuff that they're going to show on this uh, is going to be kind of kind of boring. And the only thing that the uh, I know that we're talking about, like potentially doing a Mass Effect trilogy, I, I just don't know who who's going to be super hyped for it aside from people that are who haven't played the series before. I mean, I love Mass Effect, and it was one of my favorite games of the generation. But the problem is, is I don't have 200 hours to put back into Mass Effect again with a new console and all of these new games coming out. Yeah, I mean, so my hope with the Mass Effect remaster, as we'll get into later, is that with the HD, you know, uh, version of it, that maybe they go in there and tweak, like, loading times and stuff. So maybe it lessens the burden of those games. Also, for me, I'm probably, if it does come out, going to play 1 and 2 and ditch 3 completely. I'm actually one of the people that didn't hate 3, but uh, (laughs) I, I just don't. I'm not super into needing to play it again because, like you said, we have less time. So I'd rather prioritize the game, the games in the series that I do love. Um, in terms of both of these events, it's interesting because the Cyberpunk Night City Wire thing, we don't really have an idea of how big or small it's going to be. Like I don't even know what they're going to talk about. Like, they, like you said, it could be a big gameplay demo. It could be updates pertaining to stuff people will get at release for pre-ordering. Um, obviously, they don't do anything too bad in terms of microtransactions or anything like that. CD Projekt Red has built a reputation for being pro-consumer. It's just interesting what they're going to be showing because both these events are happening on June 11th, which leads me to believe that they're tied to the IGN thing, which then has me thinking like, well, is it a developer interview, right, where they are talking to the developer while they're playing through a chunk of gameplay? With the uh, EA Play Digital thing, Chris, your point of no one wants to see Madden or FIFA. I would love if they're going to be going digital, they have a separate EA play where it's just the sports titles because there are people who want to see that stuff. 
but if you want to play to both your audiences and cramming those into in between the Star Wars title or Anthem Redux or whatever, it doesn't play well. So I would love a separate package where it's like, oh, here's our sports updates for the year, right? That could it work. It would be too, nice if they did that, that Cyberpunk. If that Cyberpunk thing was somewhere similar to like how uh, Nintendo does their directs for specific games, I mean, nice and condensed, give enough information that it's meaningful, and then get out. Like, I'm hoping it's that if they drag it out too long on a single game, you're either going to get too much information that you don't want, or it's going to be people complaining that you didn't show exactly what they expected. So if they can just kind of condense it into maybe a 10, 15-minute thing, 20 max, and then be gone, I think that that's probably in their best interest. Yeah. Dom, do you, for that, the the City Project Red thing, the City Nightwire, or Night City Wire, are you of the opinion that you want to see more, you know, gameplay mechanics and systems as opposed to narrative? Like you kind of want to wait for the actual game to come out for you to see that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't need anything, uh, spoiled is a strong word, but you know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to be sold on the narrative quality of this game. Um, that's what CD project did super, super well with Witcher three, right? Like even all the, the small side quests, like, and the main story everything was super compelling narratively so i don't need to be sold on any of that so i'd rather just go in blind but but as far as yeah now we're in a first person game and we're in a you know really packed tight city um and it's you know a, more of a shooter as opposed to witcher 3 yeah there's more like along the gameplay and systems that i want to see yeah had a bunch of news that came out this week too about the uh the the, all the the genital stuff and all that other stuff. So I mean, they're I, I mean, all jokes aside, they're right. they're throwing they're throwing information out that like people will talk about. Like that's the kind of thing that people talked about when they talked about the Witcher and the and the or not the Witcher, the the horses and Red Dead Redemption. So like Horse that kind of stuff. Here. Yeah, like I mean, it sounds silly, but it gets it it literally gets yourself in the news and people in a, in a cycle and it goes through a bunch of podcasts and people talk about it and so. The, the fact that they're doing like the gender stuff and it's, it's gender fluid, which I think is really cool. And then they came out and mentioned the fact that all of this had to do with DLC and not actual gameplay for the, uh, the initial game to start with. I think all of that's really good information and they're trying to give you as much as they can, but you know, sparse it out a little bit. Yeah. For me, I think the biggest stinger I would want, cause I don't want spoilers or anything about the narrative, but it would be cool if maybe there's another celebrity cameo in the game that we don't know about. That would be pretty oh, that would cool. That would be rad. Because that doesn't take away from the actual narrative, right? It doesn't lessen that when you actually play through the game. And knowing there's somebody else outside of Keanu Reeves in the game would be pretty cool, too. So If there was, like, a Josh Brolin or something, that would be badass. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, Tom Holland is some weird little sketchy, yeah. like, drug dealer. Uh, nice, Tom. Uh, next up, uh, EA confirms multiple titles launching on Switch in 2020. And the second part of this is one HD, ti HD title will be releasing by March 2021. So... To add to that HD title news, uh, VentureBeat, specifically Jeff Grubb, is saying that buried in the financial reports that recently came out for the end of their fiscal year, it basically alludes to the fact that it's the Mass Effect trilogy, which we already kind of touched on. I guess the only person we didn't hear from is you, Dom. What do you think about a Mass Effect HD trilogy in terms of you wanting to play it? I'm like a not... I, I probably wouldn't go back and play those. I never did play one. And they would have to probably revamp that game gameplay wise for me to want to go back. Cause I just, I hear a lot that it's like, it's a great game, but it's a little old. Um, some of the systems and some of the stuff like that might not hold up the best. Um, That's but, a good question, uh, right? Because yeah. HD remakes and remasters run the gamut in terms of what they improve and what they keep the same. Yeah. And yeah. They, like knowing there's a Mass Effect HD trilogy, that doesn't tell us like to what level it is. 
if it's right. just a pure remaster where they up the graphics revolu uh, resolution, then it's like, well, yeah, a lot of the stuff in Mass Effect 1 doesn't hold up and it'd be tough to go back, right? But if they go over it and they introduce the combat systems from 2 into 1, fix a lot of the loading times, you know, pretty things up, I think it could be way more worthwhile for people than just a straight up, yeah. we improve the textures, right? And then to Chris's point earlier, like, these are kind of longer games, um, and it's one thing I think back to the Uncharted collection, or the Nathan Drake collection, right? Where you could a similar complaint could be made about the first of those games, right? Like, it's old, it, the gameplay is not really very good, um, and they didn't change any of that, right? They just made it look a little prettier. Um, but that game is short. It's like six or seven hours, right? And it's easy enough, so it's like, it's w still worth easy enough to go through. Like, oh yeah, the story's pretty cool. That kind of thing, where like, if it's Mass Effect 1, and I don't know what, that's got to be like a 30-hour game at least, right? <laughs> at least. Tougher sell. Uh, at least. <laughs> okay. If you can so get past all the wonkiness, yes. So that's yeah. a tougher sell to want to go back and replay if, it's, if they didn't improve some of those older mechanics. And, like, I like the series, but, like, I'm not, you know, the highest level of fan of them. So 2 was a great game. But, yeah, it would be – it's a tougher sell for me to get back into it. I, I the, For me to easily explain this to you, Dom, it's like – for the Zelda remakes to come to Switch one day, that's what this is to me if this is actually true and comes out. Because like we've talked about multiple times, Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of all time. So like with this too, the way I'll probably be playing it is in spurts between other games, right? I'm not going to be mainlining this uh, just because I know the story and I've played the game so many times that I just want to be able to A, get more achievements in the games I love because I love achievements on top of the fact that I just want to be able to experience that game in a, a prettier fashion so i think that's maybe why i'm a little bit more positive on it because i'm not seeing it as a i'm going to be playing only this game for x amount of time which i agree with you guys is a huge investment that we may not all have at this point but we'll see what happens hopefully it's true this would be perfect to switch though you could pick up and play and then you know take it on the train play whatever you know a mission and then move on yeah my only worry is like man the loading times for mass effect one already struggled I don't oh, know yeah. how it would hold up on the Switch. You know what I mean? Um, in the but if they improve that 20 stuff. Minutes. Yeah, God. <laughs> uh, when, when Mark Cerny had that presentation talking about like the tunnels you walk through and stuff, I'm like, yeah, the Mass Effect elevators. Uh, that's exactly what they were doing, hiding load times. That's pretty much it for the, the rundown of the quick news. We're going to get into this Xbox Series X first look event. Uh, before we get into actual announcements and talk about our favorite, least favorite, and I run through all the games, I kind of get want to get a top-level just very simple reaction to the event. I'll go first. In a vacuum, separated from everything else that's currently happening, I would probably give this like a C minus. Currently, given the state of being in quarantine and these teams working from home and the way we have to kind of put things together, I would probably give it a B, a flat B. Um, my expectations were set. We talked about before recording that uh, Phil Spencer kind of deflated the air out of the balloon the day before, thankfully. And... From everything I read, I just was, I was wishing for the Elden Rings and the Batman games, but my expectations were perfectly set that I knew that we weren't going to likely get those, considering the information we got, and we'll get into that later. Uh, Chris, what did you feel? My initial reaction was they mismanaged this, and it wasn't presented or given in a manner in which they initially had said it was going to be. My backed-off reaction was these games got some shine that are double-A games, because if you put a triple A game in like Elden Rings or like even when they added the end with the Valhalla stuff, 
people forget what Bright Memory is and what the Ascent is. So it let AAA games shine today. I just wish they would have managed that earlier prior to when they when they first messaged this out and let everybody know this was it. I just think it was a really bad way to explain this is our first look at Xbox Series X. I wouldn't have done it with AA games. Yeah, I feel you. Dom? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really into horror and spooky games, you know? Uh, like, I dug Control for that reason. I, I loved Alan Wake. Um, yeah, a lot of horror games I could find about. Dead Space, yada, yada. Resident Evil 3 most recently you played? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> not that um, any of these games were exactly those, but they a lot of them had similar vibes and tones and, and that same weirdness that a lot of those games I like. So um, I was into a lot of these games. I, I guess um, there was a weird thing about I, you know, how much gameplay there was but we'll get into that later around, i have some notes about that yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> mostly around assassin's creed but in general i guess we will talk about it but like i thought a lot of these games look really cool um i don't know especially i think knowing that it was only going to be third party stuff you know i wasn't like that's maybe that is weird for a first series x showcase but i they're, they're going to do more so it's like, like we're going to see more series x stuff that's you know, we're gonna see Halo Infinite and whatever else and Elden Ring eventually. So it's, I don't know. This was cool. It was more than we saw yesterday. So, and that's the problem too with the label of third party is people automatically jump to third party, meaning the other AAA publishers that create right. games, right? Whereas third party means the the double A's, right, and the other AAA. So um, that's tough because from Xbox's perspective, they can't be like, we're gonna show the you know our third party partners who you may not have heard of or make games that you probably you know don't see from time to time they couldn't have worded in a way that would have made it clear for the consumer but it would have pissed off their partners or not put them in the right light you know what i mean so that was an awkward thing too um but let's get into the other thing is it's may like i mean we're getting like people were angry on twitter today and it's may man and we're getting games like we're getting new games yeah and and the fact that like people bitch and moan all the time about hey there's no new ip all of these were new ip like yeah. all of them. So like we're like people are showing brand new things and you should be excited about them. Double A developers become CD Project Red became CD Project Red based upon being a double A and turning into a triple A. So like, you know, the next person could be the next game that you see. So I, I, I just it's unfortunate that like I mean, I, and I'm part of it. Like I was at first I was frustrated. But like when you think about it, I mean, a lot of these that's how these these this would have been an E3 real where you would have guessed about what these games were versus them getting individual shine today. Yeah. And I think the the funny thing too with PlayStation being so quiet, I think it negatively affected it too because gamers are so hungry for stuff. The moment that PlayStation gamers or people who favor at least a PlayStation, the moment they heard this was third party, they're like, oh, this is our opportunity to get announcements too, but for Xbox. That's why they wanted the Batmans, right? Because they were like, well, PlayStation's taking so long to show us stuff. At least we'll get to see stuff that we'll be able to play on our PS5. So when they got these AA games, they're like, oh man, I still have to wait for PlayStation, and therefore there was more vitriol there. And like you said, it's it's May. Like, I would never expect to get announcements in May period from 10 years ago, right? Because it's just not the way it works. To me, I saw this was, was like icing on a cupcake as opposed to the actual cupcake. But you know how the internet is. Let's get through these announcements, though, because I think there's a lot of negativity online, and I I feel bad for all the developers who got their moment to shine in this, and I kind of want to focus on their games because there was a lot of really cool stuff. I think you guys feel the same way. 
So uh, the May 7th Inside Xbox unveiled the following games with all of them being optimized for Series X. Uh, they showed off that badge that kind of got revealed the day before, which we'll talk about later in terms of box art and stuff. But the first game, Chris has touched on a couple of times, Bright Memory Infinite. So this is a first-person pe- uh, first action shooter by FYQD Studio, which is one person, which is crazy because when you see this presentation of the high-quality visual fidelity, the tight gameplay, I thought it looked cool. One thing I want to note before I get your impressions on the game, guys, is that Bright Memory came out and was a demo on steam and people could pick it up and play it and it caught so much traction that the developer the single person decided to make a full-fledged game on it uh which is pretty nifty so uh what did you guys think i, I thought it was a really nice opener for the show and it was visually very impressive uh, chris what did you think i thought it was the most impressive game that, that they had um visually um when i first saw it it totally just kind of took me back i'm like wow so this is what next gen looks like it was pretty rad i i hadn't realized because obviously when i first saw it i didn't realize even who the developer was or it was a one-man team um i I learned about the steam thing afterwards it's still you could still pick it up on steam right now if you wanted to yep um and i think it's like it's just really really cool um it kind of had uh vibes of destiny a little bit with like that first person action and then being able to like throw out um that that rope that had uh, that chain that had like a, a blade on it and then bring people back in i thought it, I, it was just pretty awesome and the fact that this is going to be a, sequ- a sequential series i guess from what i'm reading that it's going to be not just like a full game like they're going to break this up in, into parts and the fact that xbox has it i think is really cool uh then breaking it into parts dom do you think that could there could be a future game pass partnership there of like these smaller pieces of this game get put onto game pass maybe they can strike a deal there for this single developer yeah, that makes sense, especially when you look at, yeah, it's a single person, you know, what if it was a small team or whatever, it seems like that could be a way to help get this, uh, make sure you got consistent funding kind of a thing, and it's going to get eyes on it better this way, right, when it's just available on Game Pass for everybody, so I could I could see that, but yeah, I, I thought this looked pretty sweet, too. Um, I was thinking more like first person Sekiro uh, with guns. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way to describe it as well. Cool. I initially thought it was, are you guys familiar with the Shadow Warrior titles? Shadow Warrior? Not really? So they're like double A games. They're pretty beloved from what I've seen on the internet from people. And they're just like hack and slash games. I thought this was maybe like part of that universe or uh, some people were even guessing um, the Crisis. Some, some people thought it was going to be a new entry in the Crisis series. Mm. Uh just the way it looked, right? It looked very high fidelity. Uh, also, one last thing that is available through Smart Delivery as well. Um, I've highlighted throughout the show, they made a good point to show the games that were, uh, which most of them were available through Smart Delivery and Xbox Game Pass. Uh, next up, this one I personally don't have too much to say because I'm not a huge racing guy, but we saw Dirt 5 by Codemasters. To me, it looked like it was heavily inspired by Forza Horizons. Uh, or Horizon, I don't know. I added an That's S what there. I thought it was. <laughs> yeah yeah because it has a very festivaly feel there was a focus on multiple seasons and environments right um it's cool it showed how most racing games show where it's not direct you sitting there playing the game it was gameplay but it was like sitting on the side of a road as cars pass by and take turns and stuff like that so um yeah i people it was funny people thought it was forza horizon but the moment you think that you're like oh wait the first party stuff is in july right so there's no way it could be that um dirt i don't know if you guys feel the same way as an interesting racing series because it's not one i often hear about as being the most popular but i mean they've made it to five titles right so they're doing something right (laughs) yeah yeah 
Dirt I'm not five. one of them, but a lot of people like that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Also available through Smart Delivery as well. Uh, anything about Dirt 5 you liked, Chris, or are you not really a racing guy? Not really into racing. Like, I'm not even into Forza and stuff like that. It's just not my cup of tea. I mean, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the graphics, because, like, basically that's what their system sellers on graphics usually when an, when an initial console comes out. Like, that's what they show. Like, Xbox is going to hype up Forza. Like, that's, you know, you need, to, you need to own this. But it's just not my cup. Yeah, I mean, the most beautiful games will likely be Forza Motorsport 8 on Xbox Series X and Gran Turismo, whatever that is, right, for PS5. The racing games are always, like, the showpieces for the consoles. It's just, it's just how it is. Uh, next up, uh, this is the first game we saw that didn't really have any gameplay at all. It was kind of just environmental shots. This is Scorn. This is from uh, Ebb Software, first-person psychological horror game. Huge Prometheus-slash-alien vibes in this game. Uh, very gothic horror. Uh, this will be coming out on Xbox Game Pass, and there's further details we'll get into later about this game. Um, as someone who loves horror, Don, did Scorn move the needle for you in any way? Yeah, so, yeah, no gameplay, not much of anything really going on, but it looks sweet. That, that was one where it made me want to see the gameplay and what this game is. You know what I mean? It, it, it showed me a little bit, um, and it made it left me wanting more, though, because, yeah, this is that whole vibe was like, really gothic horror gears of war bug crawling in things type of shit i don't even know like this was cool yeah uh what about you chris was there a specific part of this you know thematic highlight you liked or are horror games not your thing no actually when i was thinking of like two highlights in my head from watching it one was like the red belly on that guy like totally making <laughs> like a death stranding and like immediately i'm like oh it's a death stranding baby is it in there like that'd be cool if it popped out <laughs> And, like, the other thing was the thing that stuck out and then, like, dripped like it was, like, uh, peeing and then, like, came back. And I was like, very that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, it was thing. very phallic. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but, hey, listen, if those are the two things that I and, – and that's the reason why I remember the game, you know what I mean? Like, that's the draw. Like, now I remember. And, like, if I see it, if I see it again, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. I remember seeing it on the, the Xbox thing. So – uh, uh, not my cup of tea. I'm not really I, that type of horror. Like I like horror games, but not that specific. Like it doesn't. The vibe doesn't feel like it, it's something that I'd be into. But I really think it was a great demo. So this game also has a demo on PC, uh, oh. like Bright Memory does. It's been in development for a while. It was actually a sponsor of the Easy Allies podcast, uh, which is oh, pretty so interesting oh, because it's cool. been in development oh. for so long. Scorn, somber yeah. tapestries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this. This is definitely gives me a lot of, if you guys are familiar with the Amnesia series of horror games, it gives me those vibes, uh, where it's more, it's less jump scary and more like psychological horror, obviously. So we'll see what happens. Anything that's, you know, inspired by H.R. Giger or like Alien in general is really cool. I just love that art style and they kind of turn the dial to 11 on that one. <clears throat> Next up. A game that I thought originally was called Corves because they did the stylized thing where they make the U of the name a V. Chorus is a sci-fi flight combat game who features a female protagonist. This also has psychological horror vibes. Uh, it's developed by Fish Labs and published by Deep Silver and is also available through Smart Delivery. I'm not a flight sim guy or flight combat guy either, but what I will say is it did hook me a little bit on the narrative where it was this girl kind of losing her mind and there's a lot of like weird like space alien stuff going on. Uh, but for me, the moment I saw the gameplay, I was like, yeah, not for me. I've just never <laughs> liked flight games at all. They're just not my thing. So I don't know. Did, did, did Chorus hook you? I had the same kind of like 
uh, thought process of like, is this control? Like, what's going on here? This looks sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they show the gameplay, and I was like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Not my thing. Yeah. I did think it was cool that Deep Silver was helping with it because like they, they sure. got their hands in a few a few things and so I thought that that was that part was pretty rad uh, but flight simulators are just not my thing like unless I'm in Star Wars and I'm doing like a battlefront flight sim like that's about all I can do yeah I, so recently Chris um, a friend and I had gone back and replayed through Halo Reach and my least favorite mission in that game is there's a flight mission where you're like in space flying and mm-hmm. I just lose myself in that gameplay because there's no direction, so you can find yourself upside down. And I don't get disoriented or nauseated. It just is not fun to me. I'm just like, eh, bleh, I'd rather be doing literally anything else. But don't want to miss, you know, talk down about that. The game looked cool. For people who are into flight games, no. I think yeah. it has a lot of really good potential. Uh, next up, this is where a little bit of controversy, and I know it's a little bit hyperbolic me using that word, but we'll get into it. So next up, they showed Madden 21. Patrick Mahomes out there talking like he's Kermit the Frog. I love Patrick Mahomes, but he has like one of the funniest voices in the NFL. So they showed a brief glimpse. They did this like a retrospective where they started with OG Madden and went through the years leading up to this year. It was like a eight second at most clip. And here's the thing. It was awful for them to show that little gameplay. As somebody who plays Madden every year, there was one really cool thing about that that people who don't play Madden or don't give two dams about it would not notice. That is really huge for Madden players. Can either of you guess what that is? I don't even remember the footage because they're so short. Was it the footage where he was diving into the end zone and trying to lean over with the ball? Like where he yeah, was flipping his wrist? Yeah, reach for the pylon. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, never been able to do that in a Madden yeah. game. Ever. Yeah. And strategically, that changes a lot of how you play. I know that might seem dumb for people who don't enjoy football or whatever, but the ability to reach out for the pylon can lead to turnovers it can lead to you scoring when you're not able to like it does a lot for the gameplay and if you're able to reach out for the pylon i'm pretty sure it's a, a mechanic that you'll be able to use period so maybe you'll be able to reach out for first downs right so that was that interesting cool. it was little gameplay sucks they said you'll see more later earlier we talked about ea play digital it'll probably be there but i thought that was a really cool little glimpse of something new coming to the franchise that being said it has fake smart delivery and you're asking yourself, Jared, what's fake smart delivery? I have barely have a concept for what smart delivery is. <laughs> well, folks, it isn't that you get this game and then you can play it on either Xbox system or whatever. What happens with this game is that if you buy it by December 31st of 2020, you can upgrade to the next-gen version by March of 2021. So you're upgrading, meaning that you have the old-gen version, upgrade to the new-gen version, and you lose access to the old gen version on top of the fact that you can't do this at any point. You have to do it by a deadline. Um, obviously, like, like they the, should have had something on like the on the trailer that should that said smart delivery timed exclusive because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it, that's what it is. It's like a timed exclusive for smart delivery. It's crazy. And I guarantee you this is I know people are batting down the hatches on EA because that's a thing. This is totally an NFL licensing thing, in my opinion. I'm sure it is, I guarantee yeah. you that's what it is. It has less to do with EA and more to do with the NFL. Um, yeah, I don't think this is terrible, like in a vacuum on its own, but it being side by side with games that are smart delivery looks terrible, right? Because this is kind of like the way old gen treated it, where I I guess for Madden last gen, you actually had to pay $10, I believe to upgrade. This is still free. It's just a specific date range. You have to, you know, do it by. So, so the, the funny thing, like it's free, but if you're outside of that time period, then what it's $60. Yeah, you just have to buy but, the next-gen version, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. but it's also backwards compatible. So 
you're paying $60 for a texture pack or, or you know what I mean? Like pretty much that's wild, right? It's, it's forcing people or it's pushing you to buy, buy it before Christmas. I mean, because most of their sales are in the early part of the NFL season when they sell these games. So it's it's pushing you to buy it before that, that deadline. Yeah. And they, they let the 31st be out there because, of course, you want people to buy it for Christmas. You know what I mean? I mean so and, that, and I the don't thing think... I will say real quick, uh, Madden on Xbox One had features that Madden on Xbox 360 didn't have. Just throwing so that should out there. Be I just potentially... think this is... Te- Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. So should be more than yeah, just higher resolution textures. Should probably. we don't know. <laughs> we, 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 should, don't know. <laughs> we would hope that there's some extra features, maybe a game mode or something like that. We'll see. Um, but like, I think this doesn't really. This isn't. This doesn't matter that much. Like, people are gonna. What's go buy the other football game that's out right now? Yeah. The people who care about upgrading to a next gen version of Madden will buy it before December 31st. Period. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's it still big. sucks, but yeah, I don't think it'll be super uh, effective i think the only people that it really hurts is is xbox and their messaging of what smart delivery is because if you have things that are happening like this where it's timed or where it doesn't work with every game or their developers that aren't on board with this it either makes xbox look bad or it makes the developer look bad or they can't explain it with every single so then you have to put that sticker on every single one that says smart delivery for specific games and not all games and it's just a big it's a big to do especially when you have a parent who's purchasing let's say for christmas this for a, for a kid that they've already bought some games for and some of those games don't transfer and it, it just becomes a really big mess yeah yeah i remember or like when they first talked about smart delivery there was that sentence in there like we're going to do it with all our first party games and the technology is there for third parties to do it too and you just knew from that like yep so cd project is going to do it ea eh, we'll see and then you kind of go down the list of like Probably a lot will, but we'll see how each publisher, you know, does their individual thing. And the worst thing about this is the Xbox, uh, Xbox is the partner of the NFL. Like they're partners with each other. So it's even, wow, just doesn't even make more sense. Yada, yada, yada. The Mahomes stuff was sweet though. I I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I I like him. I just, he has a really funny voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) One of the funniest voices in sports. Uh, He did a good good job because he wasn't like looking away from the camera. Oh, yeah. He knew that he like really, really like knew the lines and was like just giving it straight where at least it appeared to be that way. So I I appreciated that. The fact that he like threw it right out there and was like, yep, Super Bowl champions. Super Bowl champions. I'm like, yep. (laughs) They also showed like his most awkward highlight from the Super Bowl of like the awkward like rushing touchdown he had. Like, man, you could have did my boy a little bit better than that. Uh, Anyways, next up. I was going to say this is one of the creepiest trailers in the show, but like Dom alluded to, there's plenty of horror games in this event. So I don't know if it was the creepiest. It was maybe the most off-putting. We got Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Uh, I, my only note on it is it looked rough. Uh, and this game, has, bad. this game has looked rough ever since I saw it. And this is one of those games that it's a sequel to a cult classic, right? You hear people talk about the original title of how great it was and what it did for the genre and yada, yada, yada. And this is just an example of like an indie-ish dev trying to ignite that nostalgia. And I think the environments looked incredible. I think all of the player model stuff was like, yikes. <laughs> looked very off. The um, hair looked terrible. Like it was like really bad. Like I actually, that's what I kind of zoned in on when I when that guy was like weirdly dancing around people. I'm like, yeah, that hair in his face look awful. Like what are they doing? And I th- I thought it was a sequel. It is, right? It's a sequel? It's a sequel, yeah. Yeah, I, you would think that they would have been able to upgrade that or figured something out. I mean, this is next gen. I don't understand. It doesn't look next gen at all. At Smart delivery, though. Uh, this is a cross gen title, so yeah, I, it wasn't a great showing for the for the game, but 
If they, it's funny because they showed gameplay and you saw the player model, so it looked rough. But if they would have done a scorn thing or it was just environments, people would be like, "Oh, this game's beautiful," <laughs> because the the disparity between the two is night and day, completely night and day. Uh, before we move on, anything you wanted to say about it, Dom, or you agree? Just like, yeah, it did not look good. Yeah, this that was just a bit of a miss for me. And, and then when the title showed, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of that game, and that's, you know, it's a lower, a double A type." game right so i was like okay that's what it is and like sure for a second when they all, they were like dancing or whatever they're doing the weird dances i was like is this like you know uh yakin uh, phoenix's joker like the game or something oh Just god i about that but that yeah that's that is similar to that oh yeah <laughs> if it wasn't listed as a third party thing i could have seen it being as like some weird like we happy few offshoot because it definitely that gave too. me those vibes yeah. mm-hmm. um next up we have call of the sea so call of the sea I would describe it as uh, Shape of Water meets What Remains of Edith Finch uh, from what I got from the gameplay trailer. The art aesthetic to me reminds me a lot of Firewatch, uh, which is interesting because the voice you hear, the narrator, I was immediately caught off guard of like, I've heard that voice before. Who is that? And I'm pretty sure both of you have heard her voice as well. So the lead character in this game is voiced by Sissy Jones. Now, immediately you might be like, oh, I don't know that name, Jared. Who is that? So Sissy Jones voiced Delilah in Firewatch, the main female character in that game. She also vo- uh, voiced Katja in The Walking Dead, who was the mom, the old lady mom in the first season, Dom. And she also voiced uh, Joyce in Life is Strange, uh, the mother of the lead character in that as well. So for me, it's a it's a character actor that I really like. Um, and I, I love the vibe of the game. Like I said, for me, it's Shape of Water meets What Remains of Edith Finch. Both of those things, very weird. But the storytelling in both of those, to me, is, like, top-notch. So I'm excited to see what this game showcases. Um, did either of you get those What Remains of Edith Finch vibes at all? Not so much. Um, I like, I mean, it, it looked cool. The environments look cool and the colors and everything. Like, the, the art, I guess. The art style is really cool. But, yeah. We'll when I when I heard Sissy's voice, I knew it immediately, so I knew who it was right away. And I actually like when I first saw it, I thought it was Campo Santos in the Valley of Gods. And then I was like, Oh wait a minute, they can't put it on Xbox. So no, it's not that. So then I then I got more into the trailer to try to figure out what it was. Um, I thought it was interesting. I like Walking Sims, uh, Edith Finch, and those type of games are like right up my alley. Um, so I'm really looking forward to. Actually, this is one of the few one of the few games where it kind of hit me where I'm like, Yeah, that's a game that I would definitely play or buy. And it definitely hits the variety of the showcase in general because it looks so different than everything else shown. So I really appreciate that as well. Uh, that's going to be Smart Delivery and Xbox Game Pass, uh, which is dope. So I don't even have to pay for that since I have Game right. Pass Ultimate, which is awesome. Uh, next up, The Ascent. So The Ascent is a twin sticks shooter. Uh, cyberpunk aesthetic, because that's what we're going to be getting now, boys. It's all cyberpunk, Vikings, and samurai. That's our future <laughs> for the next generation. Uh, smart delivery. So it started with a cinematic type trailer. It looked, uh, it was obviously in game because a lot of the character models were rough. And then when it cut to the gameplay, for me it was a little bit more interesting than your general twin stick shooter because it did have some side scrolling parts and it looked like there were shops and stuff you might be able to visit and buy items. Because to me, whenever I think of twin stick shooters, it's like level based, right? Or like arena based, where you go and you do some stuff and then you go on to the next level. This seems like it could be deeper and more detailed environments with a lot more to do. Um, so that intrigued me. I don't know if it did anything for you guys. I loved like the world building though, like the entire aesthetic of it. Yeah. Yeah, Nothing. me too. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> completely get it. Full transparency, I don't think I'll play this game unless it comes to Game Pass. I'm, yeah. I just thought it looked sure. really cool. It, just because twin stick shooters aren't my jam, man. I just not how I play. The intriguing thing is they didn't really show off multiplayer either, so I wonder if this is a single-player experience or if maybe they're saving that for a later reveal, like, yo, it's multiplayer as well. We don't know. So be interesting twin to see Twin-stick shooter games, though, are, like, so perfect for Switch. Every time I think of a twin-stick shooter, I think of, of, of Switch because they're so easy on the, on the go, and I've played a bunch of them on Switch. So, like, yeah. if I played a game like this, it wouldn't be sitting at a console. It would be, like, on the go, you know, someplace, I think. I don't know. For me, that's that's I associate twin-sticks with that. Yeah. Uh, next up, The Medium. So, this game, I mean, it showed the briefest of gameplay at the end. I wouldn't even really, it was like super edited gameplay of her like walking, the character. But, so this was a horror game by Bloober Team. Uh, it started with a woman who was pregnant in a hospital. A bunch of demonic stuff starts happening. Then it cuts to her in a church. Uh, more demonic stuff happening. Some of the like demonic cutscene stuff, Dom, I don't know if you felt the same way. It gave me like Dark Souls 1 vibes. Of like with a brown and like black aesthetic of like the decaying city, mm. I was like this is yeah, totally like feels from softwarey, um, and you know the great music in it, and then it cuts to one of the developers and he announces that Akira Yamoka uh, is composing the game. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, he's the man who's responsible for the Silent Hill music, which is like lauded by most people which is great to have for your horror game, right? Have the the soundtrack composed by a guy who's composed some of the most notable horror games in video game history. So to me, I think Call of the Sea was my highlight for the show, but this is a strong number two. Like I really like the medium. I don't know, Chris, did you feel the same way? I was in, as soon as I saw the beginning part of the trailer, I thought the, I, the, cuts, the scenes on it were pretty were really good and they, they drew me in. That when they showed her and then they showed her without the baby, I'm like, wait, what? Huh? And then, then all of a sudden the median stuff started and I was like, oh, this is really good. And then you find out that it's on Game Pass and you're like, oh, this is even better. So Dom, best case scenario, this is Alan Wake, but instead of a male protagonist, it's a female protagonist. How does that yeah, excite you? And more, and more blood or something. And a little, <laughs> even creepier. No, yeah. I'm a thousand percent in on this. This looked awesome. This was the coolest thing I think I saw throughout the whole presentation. And this will also be coming to Xbox Game Pass, which I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, next up, for all you weeaboos out there, we had Scarlet Nexus by Bandai Namco. Gave me, personally, strong Astral Chain vibes. It's totally the third-person action anime game you're thinking of in your head. Uh, the main character has psychological manipulative powers, and it seems like he's part of a team that also has those powers. The enemies are weird, like, aliens with roses as heads i don't know if that's the best way to describe them uh like they all had flowery weird protrusions from the top of their bodies i'm not really like a the audience for this game so it really did nothing for me but what i will say is that the fact that this type of game is in an xbox show shows progress and i'm happy about that there's another game we'll get to later that also shows how cool this is because normally as xbox fans they wouldn't get this stuff in an Xbox showcase just because Japanese developers and publishers didn't want to put their stuff on Xbox because it wouldn't sell. Um, so, I don't know. Did it do anything for you guys? And do you feel the same that it's a really cool thing for Xbox to have this type of game, whether or not you're excited about it? Nothing. I mean, yeah, this wasn't my cup of tea either. Um, but I guess you, you do bring up a good point. You know, that's the more... Uh, collaboration xbox can start doing with japanese developers the better 
Um, so yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Get something positive out of what otherwise is just not a game we care about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Chris, I think that uh, that Japanese developers are going to realize that play anywhere means play anywhere, and they can't deny the fact that getting their product on Xbox will allow them to have different avenues in order for people to play their games. So I feel like that's how Xbox is going to get their in. And this is all a product of Phil Spencer's footwork too, right? We've seen him tweet about going to Japan like numerous times flying over there to meet with publishers and developers because he understood how bad of a job the previous regime did of building those connections. I mean, the Xbox One didn't even launch initially in the Japanese market because they felt there was no need to. So by the time Phil took over, they're already head and shoulders behind and there's literally no stamp for Xbox One in that territory. So props to him because it's it's paying off and hopefully we see more partnerships like this because it's really cool. Next up, Second Extinction. Uh, this is essentially Left 4 Dead with Dinosaurs. Uh, oh, yeah. Th- this, uh, I guarantee you this was added to the list because... People have probably heard about, you know, gamers wanting a new Turok game for ages at this point. And um, this is, I guess, the best thing we're going to get for a while. So it's developed by System Reaction, and it's coming to Smart Delivery. I thought it looked cool. Definitely screams AA. But if the systems and stuff work, I think it could be a really cool time with friends because we don't really have any dinosaur-centric, like, shooters like first person shooters right that's why people are clamoring for turok because we don't really have that anymore and the idea of getting being able to kill dinosaurs with guns is awesome in video games in my opinion i don't know how you guys feel no i thought this was cool like the the gameplay of yeah shooting the dinosaurs like this that looks fun um i just yeah i'm not much for the uh co-op multiplayer kind of a thing myself yeah I think people would have lost their shit had the word Turok come across the, the screen. Like they, <laughs> oh, they literally God, would have yeah. lost it. But the fact that it, um, that it's in kind of the same vein and um, uh, obviously you're not going to get the, the opera end quality that you might get from a Turok game, but at least you kind of get a, a taste of what, you know, you're looking for in that kind of type of genre and with the dinosaurs and the first person and all that other stuff. I thought it was you know really well done. I just, uh, it just didn't spark any interest in me outside of me thinking that it was like a really cool demo. And I was actually kind of hoping for the people that, uh, were Turok fans that it actually was that for them. Yeah. I mean, with World War Z coming out and doing pretty well, and it's sim- in the similar genre, I think there is a space for this to succeed if it comes out and has solid gameplay, right? And no offense to Friday the 13th or Predator Hunting Grounds, but those games don't really have a super high polish quality to them, and they've had audiences be enthralled with those games right so there are audiences who latch on to these things it'll be interesting to see what happens because people are so thirsty for turok god if if a, a first person triple a turok game gets announced this year i'll be super excited i just want to shoot a, a you know a velociraptor with a shotgun man just let me do it uh <laughs> next up yakuza like a dragon so this one is probably the most surprising out of all of the titles because yakuza has been tied to playstation for years right and we've seen recently that the series has been coming over via Xbox Game Pass, and it's finding an Xbox audience, which is great. This game released in Japan last year, and they're wondering when this game is going to come out this year. We have a 2020 date. Well, with this trailer, we know that it's launching in the West as a launch title on Xbox Series X, and it was revealed after the fact that Xbox has the marketing rights on this game, which is crazy. For Xbox to land the marketing rights for a Yakuza game, I don't know if you guys are as surprised by that. That's kind of crazy. 
this feels like the conversation that um, Phil was talking about where he went over and was having conversations, like you, the, the negotiations. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those ones where they put that in their back pocket and then they give their middle finger to, to PlayStation and it was like, yep, we have it now. You know what I mean? So they, they have to try to garner these, these big um, Western titles in order to try to help build the brand over there. And so this was a big deal. This is a big win for them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because the trailer itself didn't really sell the game that well, because it was a cool trailer Don't get me wrong, but it's actually a turn-based JRPG. Would you know that by just oh, watching really? that trailer guys? No. Right. Not at all. Yeah. It's a turn-based JRPG. So quite a surprise. So this is like in, like in the vein of persona, like, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know the, the, the specific details. All I know is that there was a big conversation afterwards of like, yo, that trailer was awesome, but sell it like you should and let people know it's a turn-based JRPG. My point of view personally is I think this is the best way to ease people in because sure. like we've talked about, this type of market isn't something that's been on Xbox for a long time. So I think coming out of the game and being like, this is a hardcore JRPG turn-based game might be a little off-putting, right? So I think sell the character, sell the wackiness of it, and then go into the actual gameplay would be the smarter strategy, in my opinion, anyways. Uh, I'm assuming, Dom, nothing nothing to mention here? <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. I, I hadn't even heard of this series until, I don't know, probably a year or two ago. Um, but apparently, as I'm finding out in the past like couple of months, it's, it's a big deal. There's a... There's a good section of people out there that love this shit, and I don't really have any idea what it is. That's crazy. Was this the game where they fired the the, the voice actor, the one that was on drugs? No, you're thinking was of it, Judge Eyes. Was it okay? I'm sorry. Like I I like I I thought it was accusing. Okay, <laughs> completely understandable. <laughs> a lot of the protagonists, like I think they're all developed by the same studio or at least the same grouping of studios, so they all have the same aesthetic in the way they like their character models and stuff. It gets pretty confusing, man. Especially, none of us are into Yakuza, right? So it's like knowing the specific details of that franchise. Um, yeah, but it, it's cool. I, I like that they announced this game. Now, to get to the most disruptive and what I would say the only disappointing thing of this entire event uh, is the Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay teaser. Now, so this is through Smart Delivery as well. First off, I want to get off the ground we all are disappointed that it didn't show like extended gameplay or real gameplay by any means. I want to do some research real quick to see if our expectations were right. Should we've been in that place? And first off, this is a little side thing. When they revealed Odyssey's gameplay, right? They labeled it as gameplay walkthrough, clearly stating what that was. You guys remember that at E3, right? They showed, I think it was Alexios maybe in the demo, but going through that yep. whole little encampment. Uh, for this, it was titled, ever since the beginning, First Look Gameplay Trailer. Now, doesn't it say walkthrough? So it's like, why were you expecting demo? But it does say gameplay trailer, right? So it's like, what exactly does that mean? Um, so the, 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 the terms there are different. So I get that they made sure not to name it something that we already knew that we should expect. But... It's still disappointing either way, right? Like, I, for it to be the crux of this presentation, when people are waiting for this, like, to be one of the biggest games of the year and for you to have the edited trailer, like I said, if the messaging was right, I think it would have been fine, but people are expecting something and you didn't deliver that, right? So expectations weren't met. So Yeah, and even, like, 
because I, I, I was re-watching earlier the whole thing and like halfway through um, the presentation, you know, the little message pops up of like, stay tuned for Valhalla uh, premiere of gameplay or whatever type of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's just weird that that's how they, they worded it to sh- compared to that's what they showed. That being said, there were also... A, there was also a big portion of the internet that was really upset that one of the puddles in Spider-Man PS4 didn't look the same in the trailer <laughs> as it did in the final game. People were upset about that. So while this was like a, a like a, like a whoops, like a, uh, we didn't say this quite right <laughs> in the moment. I think there's also, it's, it'll be okay. Everyone, you know, like yeah. maybe a bit, it's fine. They're going to, they're going to show more games. We're going to see more Assassin's Creed eventually. Like, it's okay, I guess, is, is my, like, response. Like, yeah, this was maybe a miss, but, like, it'll be all right, everyone. No. So, Chris, uh, with this, we already talked about how Xbox is complicit in this as well. But with this Assassin's Creed Valhalla stuff specifically, Xbox can only show whatever Ubisoft provides them, right? So, sure. in my opinion, I think for the Assassin's Creed Valhalla stuff specifically, I think Ubisoft is more so to blame because they were part of hyping it up as well and do you think it's do you think it's a thing of like dom was alluding to that maybe they're afraid to show something when it's not finalized and they don't want to get that internet backlash or do you think that maybe they just had a different understanding and were confident in this because they thought they messaged it correctly i think that xbox needed a major third-party game to get people to watch this because if you would have just thrown out the fact that you had a bunch of double a games nobody or most people would not have paid as much attention to it. So leaving Valhalla to the end, regardless of the mismatching, which I'm sure Xbox knew in advance, this wasn't going to be gameplay. They just let it ride. (laughs) They let it ride because people are going to continue to watch until this, this thing plays. This is why they saved it all the way to the end so that everybody would watch the rest of the games that they planned on showing. So I don't think it was a miss. I don't think it was intent uh, unintentional. I think they intentionally asked for them to give them something. They have a partnership UB was like, this is what we can give you. It's probably part of the trailer that they could have added on to the other trailer. They cut it. They, they yep. gave them this little bit, and they were like, here, this is what you can have. And the gun, the ship thing will be yours. The, the long-range ship thing will be yours so that you can see that there's long-range ship play. Okay, great. But they knew exactly what they were getting. This was just a way to reel you in and reel everybody in because they said, gameplay next Thursday on Xbox, blah, blah, blah. And it was that was the messaging. Yeah. Uh, and that's the funny thing is, I think if you remove Assassin's Creed Valhalla from this, though we'll get a lot less viewers, I think people would be more positive on... I don't even know about that with the internet. But I think us three would have been at least more positive on as a whole, right? Or if they actually showed what you thought they were going to show at the very least with the Valhalla, we would have been more positive on it. But the inclusion of it and not living up to what they kind of messaged left it in this weird middle like place, right? So... Uh, the totals for the show that I thought were interesting. And one of these is super, uh, subjective. uh, The second one, uh, in my opinion, anyways. (laughs) So they showed 13 games. I wrote down eight of them had tangible gameplay. And by that, I don't mean not edited gameplay, but where you can clearly point at it and look like, Oh, that's somebody playing the game. That's gameplay, right? There's not like this weird mixed stuff. Like even score. I didn't list as one of these because though it was in engine, you literally didn't see any game play, right? So, like I said, super super subjective, but I, I in my eyes, I saw eight with tangible gameplay. I didn't even mark Yakuza Like a Dragon as gameplay because, though that showed in-game stuff, like we talked about, it's a turn-based strategy, and nothing in that trailer showed turn-based, right? So, that's where I came down with it. 
Uh, 10 of the 13 games will have smart delivery, which is dope. Two of them are coming to Xbox Game Pass, which we'll discuss shortly. But I have some additional information I'm going to go through. And if anything jumps out at you guys, just let me know, okay? So first up was labeled as first look at next-gen gameplay. That's just clarifying what it was labeled as because people were running away with what it exactly meant. That's what it was labeled as. Whether you liked that it was labeled correctly or you felt that it was labeled incorrectly, that's what it was. Uh, next up. They showed during the presentation that we didn't mention earlier a logo wall of hundreds of devs and pubs working on Xbox Series X titles. I thought it was pretty cool. It was like a good grouping of them and then it like zoomed out and it added a bunch of them around the other yeah. logos. As an editor, doing that probably took so much time because you need to find the high quality resolution images. Those companies will complain if theirs is smaller than other people's. So you need to make sure they're all relatively the same size for it to get approved. God, it's a pain. So props to whoever was stuck with that job during quarantine because that sounds awful. Uh, next up, we talked about the reveal of the optimized for Series X box stamp, right? That little like green badge. Well, uh, they actually released an there's an image of the first official placeholder box art. I don't know if you guys got to look at this for Yakuza Like a Dragon. So this isn't final box art for Like a Dragon, but it is official right so if you look at the box on the top it has just xbox with the green which we kind of assumed underneath that it has a little panel that lists xbox series x xbox one and there's a blank space there which i guess we can talk about that real quick do you guys think that blank space is just because it's not finalized or do you think that that's where the xbox series s or whatever they call it is going to be placed no that's where scarlet's going yeah yeah <laughs> somebody actually photoshopped it too and took the same sizing and font of the other xbox one and xbox series x and series s fits in there pretty well so interesting uh, on the top right of the box it says smart delivery which is really cool and then it has the big badge on it for optimized for series x now this is a little bit of a point of contention people were like "Ugh, that thing's too big it's taking away from the box art Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if that was that big, but looking at this placeholder image, I guarantee you when they actually get the art for the game, they'll probably edit the size of that badge, right, to fix the box art. It's so big right now because all it is is a logo on the placeholder box art. So, I don't know. Um, interesting, though. I think it's cool. This is the first box art we got, and it, it kind of leads towards these ideas of, well, how are they going to message these games? Is it going to be confusing? What are the boxes going to look like? Is it just going to say Xbox? We have those answers now. I'm just curious, Chris, is that empty spot going to be filled? Is it it will be. be filled? <laughs> it will be. Lord praise this June this June thing coming up because that's when my when I believe it's going to happen. So let we'll see. Uh, something I know you're super excited for, Dom, obviously being sarcastic. Uh, Bungie confirmed Destiny 2 is coming to next gen. This happened after the show. Uh, Bungie kind of quote tweeted the Xbox thing and said, we're excited to work with them as well. We want to let you guys know Destiny 2 has next gen plans. And though this seems like a duh, of course that was going to happen. First time it's confirmed. Yeah. So, interesting to see where they go now that they're independent and how they decide to move forward with the franchise. Destiny. I'm shocked they're not doing Destiny 3 or they're not, like, even having a conversation about it. It's like, you got, you need to talk about something else. Like, if you're all you're doing is porting Destiny 2 now over to, like, a fifth thing, you know what I mean, because you guys are, are running on bare-bones staff, like, we, we got to figure this out. It's crazy people forget the first Destiny was cross-gen. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, right. I mean, this is for yeah. like, I mean, this is on all all platforms. I mean, there isn't a platform that this isn't on right now. Yeah, even the dying one in Stadia. Yeah, <laughs> cheap shot. Sorry. Uh, so 
now that we're done with this event, the question is with Xbox 2020 initiative, uh, where they're going to be doing a new event every month, where do the other following months lie, right? June and July. So here's some information here with direct quotes from Phil Spencer and head of Xbox marketing, Aaron Greenberg, uh, which by the way, real quick, we didn't mention this. I know a lot of the jokes are like corny and a little cringy. I did love that his Zoom background had the giant Xbox Series X fridge behind him. Oh, yeah. I just love when companies are, aren't are like, they're open enough to have jokes at their own expense. I thought that was cool. Anyways. And, and then you can't, you can't go anywhere near, you can't go within like a thousand feet of someone who works for Microsoft without them also selling one of their other Microsoft products because uh, they had to point out, oh, let's use one of the backgrounds from Microsoft Teams. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love <laughs> the joke to with Scorn where he's like, this is Phil Spencer's home office. I thought that was pretty funny. That was good, yeah. Uh, so in terms of the June thing, right, this is the one we have l- the least amount of clarification on. Uh, so according to Phil Spencer in an interview he did, he said it will highlight Xbox platform and services. And to add to this, Aaron Greenberg stated... June news will be done differently than inside Xbox show. So I wanted to talk about, Oh, there's one more thing I want to add. Sorry. There was a Twitter reply exchange that happened after Aaron Greenberg tweeted about today's show. And somebody said, well, July is too long with a sad face. And Aaron Greenberg replied, I know, but we got stuff to show and surprise you with in the meantime. So all of those three quotes to me lead me to believe that in June we're getting their E3 replacement conference, whatever that is, where it's the way I put it is it's more professional, higher quality edited. We're not going to be seeing these zoom webcam feeds. Like it's going to be a put together presentation. Right. And some people are like, well, you know, Phil Spencer said Xbox platform and services. So they're probably just going to be talking about the price and the release date. And the people that say that it's like, well, they might, but they're not going to talk about that stuff without showing games. Like they're not just going to have a presentation where they say the release date and the and the launch date, uh, the price of the console, right? No, it will include you're not games. Get another in Mark Cerny deal. Yeah, exactly. You won't get another Mark Cerny talk. <laughs> like that's not how Phil rolls. And people were like, "Well, how come they didn't list the June event at like with the other ones?" And with Aaron Greenberg's comment, he says June news will be done differently than inside Xbox. So remember, the Xbox 2020 stuff is talking specifically about the monthly inside Xbox shows, right? An E3 replacement digital thing won't be like inside Xbox. These are more personal. These are lower quality, less expectations, at least for people who, you know, aren't fanboys. Um, I I guess for you guys, do you think these comments, do they lead you to believe that we will get some kind of digital replacement event? Or do you think it'll be, because I've seen some people worried that it'll, with them mentioning platform and services that it could be a wired article or something like that and to me i'm like at this point i highly doubt that happening after we already got one presentation chris what do you think um i tweeted out earlier that i think that this is where you're gonna have explanation about the rollout for xcloud like in a, in a more formal sense i feel like you're gonna get a scarlet uh drop of whatever they're gonna call it xbox series s um and if they do do the xbox series s they have to give pricing like they just have to you can't give a pricing for this the s series and not give a pricing for the x series you have to to say what it is i think that gives them a cushion to then have a conversation in, the, in july and 
I, I'm with you. I feel like they're going to show stuff, but the July date gives their home studios a bit more time and polish on on whatever it is that they're working on. Because if if we remember, most of their their home studios are behind. They just garnered these studios, and most of them are like trying to catch up. So if they can buy them another month and then say it's a July, uh, whatever it happens to be, it just gives them another month of time to work on this stuff. They don't desperately have to get get this information out. And none of, uh, these games aren't even going to be released this year anyway. I mean, Halo is the only thing that they're going to have coming out off of a major, you know, first party release studio. So I, I just feel like the June thing is going to be more of a nuts and bolts type thing with a, maybe a little bit of gameplay. Whereas the other is going to be more of just straight gameplay. Interesting. So Dom, what do you think about this? Do you think, are you with Chris or do you believe that maybe the June showcase will be, because here's the thing with July being focused on first party, that's where you can get the gameplay deep dives or gameplay reveals, and they could maybe reveal a logo. Like, they could reveal that Fable is in development right at the June event, and then say, we'll show you actual gameplay next month at our first party thing. That could totally happen. How do you feel the June event shapes out for you personally? Uh, yeah, I think I'm with Chris. I think uh, this is mostly hardware and services type stuff. Um, whereas then, yeah, July will like we like we here assume that that's going to be the, the game showcase right um but yeah june i'm expecting yep uh series s scarlet whatever we're calling uh the mini boy uh mini in comparison to series x at least probably still pretty beefy but um and then yeah some more information on xcloud and what that is going to look like because right now it's just um it was just in this beta form which is great and stuff um super limited in that sense but and then we know eventually games pass is going to be part of x club yeah but exactly how other way around x cloud will be a part of game pass ultimate which includes xbox live yeah so it's like the other way around of x cloud getting added to that stuff but sorry okay so that's good so we know something about it so if you're if you have ultimate then you're also you also have x cloud um well, we already know xCloud is going to be free for your home server too, right? We know that if you access it at home, it's going to be free on your Xbox Series X. Right. That's okay. already been confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Because like your own your streaming. Xbox Series X acts as a server itself. So mm-hmm. at home, since you have one, it'll be free. If you don't have a Series X, you'll have to pay for it. Or if you want to use your, your xCloud outside of your own home, you'll have to pay for it. Right, right. So yeah, so that's... Um... So like basically what what PlayStation has with remote play, right? That's only you can use that. That's free, but only you know it's limited to what you have in your house or whatever. Um, yeah. But then like yeah, I'm curious to see uh, like are all the Game Pass games also available on XCloud? Like that would be sweet. That'd be crazy, right? Um, to see how that specifically rolls out and pricing and all that kind of stuff too, and what devices it comes out on. And yeah, well, we know I'm, you I think have, we'll hear more of that. We know your library you'll have access to, right? But that's tricky because like Xbox Game Pass, it will is part of your library when you download it, but only if you subscribe to the service. So how does that authenticate, right? That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think well, the too, other thing that the other thing that they're going to talk about is they're going to combine Xbox Live and Game Pass and just call it one thing. I think you're gonna they're either going to keep the right. name just Game Pass and and just be like you know what Xbox Live doesn't exist anymore. It's part of Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, that like you have to have Game Pass from now on in because game pass is their entry to everybody else using their services so why would you separate live from game pass any longer you want people to play your games so it's just we're sorry but the service is not going to be 
let's just say it's not going to be $15 a month. From now on, it's going to be $13 a month. Uh, we're, we're knocking $2 off, and it's a combination of the two, and it's now only going to be called Game Pass. Yeah, so it's currently called Game Pass Ultimate, right, which combines sure. the two. But that also, marketing-wise, leads you to believe there's a Game Pass not Ultimate. So would they rebrand that, or do they just say, like, yo, this is the only one? So it's called Ultimate, but it's your only option anyways. That'll yeah. be interesting. My, my only... The only thing I'm contesting you guys on with the June stuff is I fully agree with you guys that it's likely the place where we get the, the you know, the smaller, weaker form factor console. It's where we possibly get the release date and the pricing. The only thing I'm kind of at, at odds with you guys on is both of you guys speak about it in terms of them showing maybe a couple of games. For me, if you're going out there and you're setting the price and you're asking for pre-orders, I think they got to have more than a couple of games. I think they have to have a showcase to show people like why they need to buy the console because you can't release the price, have people ask people to pre-order and then not show your, your games until the following month. You know, that could be the place where they show halo. Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys my pitch for what I specifically think. And then you can tell me how crazy I am. Right. <laughs> so June happens. We have the event. We see halo infinite first gameplay, right? We get like a 10 to 15 minute, uncut demo we get some of the cringy like multiplayer dialogue of hey brad do you see that guy yeah i got him shoot on three whatever in the multiplayer <laughs> stuff <laughs> that stuff we see a lot of their other major third-party partners that we haven't seen yet we know Elden ring right is not a first party title obviously we know it's not exclusive to the console and we know the xbox has a marketing partnership therefore that game has to show up somewhere right uh, the, the Batmans of the world and all these other big third-party games, they're not going to be showcased in July. Some of those games are going to come out by fall, so there has to be something happening in June for them to show at, right? So they have their individual events as well, but if they're marketing partners, they have to show up with Xbox. So I think at the, the conference in June is going to be a lot of third-party partners. Xbox will showcase Halo Infinite gameplay, and... They may reveal some games in development, right? Your fables, your whatever the hell else is. Save, obviously, some surprises. But then, say, in uh, in a month from now, in July, we'll show you gameplay from it. So I do think there will be teases. Because the way they talk about the July event of it being focused on first parties, they don't necessarily talk about it in a sense of, like, this is the only time you're seeing the first parties. They're pitching it as our focus is first-party games and our studios. You know what I mean? So... I just think that June, we're going to see an E3 replacement. Maybe not an hour and a half as usual, but pretty substantial because they can't release the price, ask for pre-orders, and say, yo, wait a month for the games you'll care about. You know? They just I'm surprised can't. they haven't come out with a date yet, though. I mean, if all these, if, if we're already getting drops for, like, June 11th, I'm shocked that Xbox hasn't just planted a flag and said, this is the date that we're planning on doing it so they don't get jammed up with somebody else. My conspiracy theory is... This past one's done. Sorry, go ahead, Dom. I, I bet it's soon after this past Inside Xbox is done now, right? So I, maybe they were just yeah. waiting for that to be done. Yeah. My assumption, too, is the June 11th thing seems like it's in partnership with IGN, right? And I wonder if Xbox is behind the scenes talking to them and they're just trying to figure out stuff because IGN already said that they're working with PlayStation, or at least uh, Jeff Keighley's working with PlayStation, uh, it's, it's all confusing. So I wonder if all the big boys are trying to figure out when to go because there is some logistics stuff too, right, Chris, where Valhalla is partnered with Xbox. Ubisoft has already stated they're doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. So how are they going to work out? What are they showing at Ubisoft's thing? But if Xbox is holding a thing, 
as partners, they want to be able to show something too. So it's like this weird like dance and song of like trying to figure That's out That's where, where these goes. major consoles are going to start to have trouble because these individual developers are going to want to have their own thing. They want their own time to shine and they don't want to give up too much inf- too much stuff to, to the consoles anymore. They don't have to. E3 yeah. no longer is a thing. So we don't have to give you our stuff. We can have our own and it's not it's really cost effective for us to not give it to you. Like we can do it on our own channel and people will have to come to us to watch. So th- that's why first parties are such a big key for Xbox and for Sony because th- like that's what they have as their catalog to show on these these events. And I think too that's why this presentation we just got was the double A's because I guarantee you when Xbox talked to their partners they're like, hey, we want to try to get something together for this. And these studios who are working from home now are probably like, A, we're going to show some of our own stuff. And B, if we can decide to partner with you, but in a month's time, we'll just take that instead of doing it now, sure. right? And I yeah, do, I do think that maybe Xbox was stuck. I hate to say stuck because I am excited for some of these games and I don't want to downplay the, the developer efforts of these games. But they were left with these AA titles and didn't have any splash outside of Valhalla, which fell flat, right? So... Yeah, and to your point, three of these games were already are already games that are on Steam or our previous games. So like you don't, they didn't have to do a whole lot of work. Like we could show gameplay, and it's not it doesn't take much to do a vertical slice of a game that we already have. Yeah, before we cut to what we've been playing, real quick, I want a prediction from each of you guys. Very simple prediction. In June, what do you think is the most likely first party and third party game we see? For me, I, Halo Infinite, Elden Ring. Th- those are my predictions. In June, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn two <laughs> for Xbox. <laughs> obviously, I'm talking about for Xbox. Um, Halo Infinite. Yeah, I'll say Halo Infinite. Um, we sh- we haven't seen really anything for that, so I think yeah, they need to get on it. So I think that does hit the June spot. I think I think that that's good. Elden Ring. Uh, I don't know about Elden Ring. I'm thinking more Call of Duty, but that's probably not at Xbox. Valhalla is also a safe bet. Battlefield? Is there a Battlefield coming out this year? Battlefield is uh, releasing next year. Could be shown this year, though, but it's not releasing until next year. Madden? No, that'll be at EA. Hmm. Yeah, and they never really show Madden stuff at Xbox, even though they're partnered. What if they showed um, early play of Watch Dogs Legion? Hmm. Man, and remember when that game existed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a next-year game anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Ubisoft isn't going to lose anything by showing people what's going to happen next year anyway. Yeah, true. Also, we have to remember that Bethesda stated they're not doing anything, so where do they show up? They have a partnership with Xbox, right? So it's either they don't show anything or they show something at Xbox's stage because they've always showed their new games with Xbox, right? That's a good point. I'm Starfield? Give it to you. Gameplay of Starfield? <laughs> or something a starfield they could even yeah. do a cinematic trailer because we just got a logo right yeah no as far as halo is concerned i completely agree with you like if they're going to show a price they need to soften that blow with halo like is that yeah. that's the only way you soften that blow when you throw out the word 599 or whatever it's going to be that you need to have an extremely great gameplay and your first party beast like the, how you're hanging your hat because like if the, it as halo goes is how this xbox series x is going to go at least for you know the initial sales so they really need to hammer home how how much they're putting into this game show the team show the backstory show the gameplay they need to go out all all full tilt boogie on this are you guys are either of you of the opinion that that batman game comes out this year no no not at all yeah at this point the way they've handled the marketing too jesus christ anyways that's been it for the show let's talk about what we've been playing for me i have quite a bit to talk about animal crossing as always just the perpetual 
I wanted to say chore, but you know, I actually enjoy playing it nonstop, so chore is a little bit negative. Um, but the thing I really want to talk about is I f- completed Final Fantasy VII Remake. I did it, boys. Mm, I beat that's it. That's cool. So here's yeah. the thing. As somebody who never played the original, I've been watching a lot of spoiler casts and people talk about it. And as it is with the gaming industry, a lot of people are talking about it from the perspective of playing the original. And I think there's a lot more like nostalgic happiness there. I really enjoyed the game. It has some of my favorite combat in a game in a while. Absolutely love it. The narrative is a little wacky, but the characters are fantastic. I really enjoy the characters. Outside of, like, Barrett's still a little bit of a caricature for me, even by the end of the game. The last two and a half hours of this game are complete anime, JRPG nonsense. And people are kind of forgiving it because, oh, it's Final Fantasy. Oh, this or oh, that. Like, the game feels like it wants to end three or four times and it just keeps going because video games. Like, there's... How you expect the game to end in terms of you playing video games and knowing how video games typically end, I'm doing this as spoiler-free as I can. That thing happens about two hours before the game actually ends. Once that happens, stuff gets loopy and crazy and it just keeps going and going as an explanation to justify why this remake exists and why maybe the parts afterwards will be different than the original game. You understand what I'm saying there? So... It gets a little crazy. Uh, I'm interested in the sequel. I will play this game again when it comes out on Xbox next year after the exclusivity ends. But I would say it was a good game, not a great game. You know what I mean? I That's know. unfortunate. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, it's because I'm somebody who didn't play the original. And I do think that this game, for better or worse, was made for the people who play the original and that's a tough conversation too because like they labeled this as final fantasy 7 remake they didn't put part one even though it is a part of the original story but then if they're going to be changing stuff then it technically isn't a remake because it's different than the original it's this whole thing man it's so convoluted um but yeah i i enjoyed my time with the game i don't regret playing it and beating it so that's good uh i'm just more confused and down by the ending than a lot of other people are seems like a lot of people are making excuses for it and justifying it like i said because oh this is just jrpgs oh this is just final fantasy and to me i'm like no like (laughs) no (laughs) you know um is there anything else i played that i could talk about oh i have a new addiction have either of you heard of slay the spire heard of yeah i've heard of yeah so Slay the Spire is a roguelike where you use cards to power up your character and attack. Are either of you familiar with Darkest Dungeon? Yes. Yeah. So this is like Darkest Dungeon meets either Rogue Legacy or Spelunky, whatever one you're more familiar with, right? So you have these runs you're going through and you have these uh, deck of cards and you acquire new cards and potions and spells you can use and yada yada. And you go down this path. It's like a pick, choose your own adventure where there's top down you're looking at four different paths and they intercross and interweave and each one has different icons of this is a battle with the minion this is a battle with the boss this is a shop this is a resting area right so going along part of the strategy is figuring out do i have enough items and health and stuff to fight a guy here or should i go an alternate path where i can get to a heal spot quicker right or get to an item shop and use the gold i have um and it's all about just replayability. There's different characters you can choose at the beginning that have different decks. 
and I have not beaten this game yet. The so a, a a normal run through of that campaign is three different chapters, and in total it should take you about a half an hour. And I die in the third chapter over and over again. But I'm using different characters. I'm trying different deck builds. I'm figuring out like what different potions work with certain deck builds. There's relics you can obtain that give you uh, bonuses throughout your adventure, right? So you can get a relic that's like every time you start a battle, you draw an extra card. Or every time you start a battle, you gain five health, right? Stuff like that. So messing around with it. I don't know if it's a game that I'm hooked to for a very short period of time that I'll forget and never play again. Or if it's going to enter the stratosphere of games like Spelunky for me, where sometimes I'm just in a Spelunky mood and I go and do a run, right? Um, low stakes. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. If you like roguelikes, if you like deck building games, I would highly suggest checking it out. I've been recommended this game for a long time and I finally got around to it. And yeah, I'm kind of mad at myself that I hadn't played it sooner. So really enjoying that. Pretty much it for me. I'm um, just sticking with Animal Crossing and I'm in this weird space now that I don't know if I should play something major before Last of Us Part 2 comes out, but I'll figure something out. Who knows? Uh, Dom, what have you been doing? I mean, I had been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and I'm like, ah, I guess I could play more of that, but I just don't care. So I didn't play that game. I just, I don't know. I'm not into it. It's not pulling me, you know? Yeah, and I, don't, I, I can't even give you too much that's like I don't like or that's bad about it. It's just not pulling me at all. Um, so I played a lot of Battlefront 2 instead because that's a great game. And it is pulling me. And I'm having so much fun uh, getting trophies and shooting droids and having a great time being Ray Skywalker with a yellow lightsaber fighting Count Dooku in pajamas. It's just awesome. I just love it. So that's if you would have told... If you would have told somebody from two years ago, two years ago, mind you, before all of the improvements to Battlefront 2, yeah, I'm playing Battlefront 2 instead of playing Final Fantasy Remake, which came out, people would be like, are you crazy? Are you insane? Because of the place Battlefront 2 was in at that point and the hyperbole behind like the release of Final Fantasy 7 Remake, right? It's just so funny if you were to go back in time and hear yourself of like, what the hell? But I mean, for me personally, that wouldn't shock me because I love Star Wars and I've no, I'm talking about like public perception. Like if they heard yeah. that comment, like avoid of you yeah, know devoid right. of context, like, it'd be really funny. Yeah. yeah, like what the hell? Um, but that game's yeah. been improved a lot, and I'll tell you, Dom, that game's been on sale quite a bit, and I've hovered over the buy button, and I haven't bought it. I bought Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy VII original because uh, they were on sale for like eight bucks a piece, but I didn't buy. Uh, didn't buy Battlefront Two. I mean, that plays Dom. Like, I don't want to spend money on a game for twenty bucks. It's awesome. I don't want to spend money on that game when the next one is probably right around the corner. And my mind's telling me it's right around the corner, but it's probably two years away at best. But it's just that weird thing of like, I don't know if I want to spend 20 bucks now. But I'm yeah, glad but you're it's, enjoying it's an it. EA, it's an EA game. So even if at best the sequel comes out in two years, that sequel is going to be one-fourth of what this game currently is. And then they're going to sell you more DLC to get it back up to, you know what I mean? So. Right and now. also, like, even Battlefront yeah. 1, like, my son's still playing on those servers, and it's still full servers. Like, you can mm-hmm. you can get in and get into pretty much whatever match you want. Yeah, but do I want... Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm that's in a, a weird lot. place with Star Wars in general, uh, of, like... Oh, that's... I, I, I'm not with the franchise, but with the fandom. And it's like, uh, 
that's the other thing is that I finished watching Clone Wars, the newest season, and Hell it's yeah. fantastic. It's awesome. really good. Yeah. On my watch list, I have like the arcs you should watch and the episodes you can skip. I have all that ready to go. I just haven't dove in yet. I'm excited. Skip all of the last season except for the last four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Soka stuff. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Chris, the, what the have bad you been batch is re- The Bad Batch stuff is good. Um, uh, I've been still playing Days Gone. Like That game is oh, yeah. pretty addictive at this point. It's yeah, so rad, yeah. dude. Like just when I think that I'm good enough and I can go in, all of a sudden a horde will just like completely annihilate me, and I'm like, well, that was a wrong move. And like you have to be so careful. Like I was, I was going into a a bandit camp today, like super cocky. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna take these guys out, and I was like, kind of cautious. But then eventually I got like really tough, like tough guy. I'm like, oh, I could just take these guys out whenever I want to with this gun. And then all of a sudden I ran out of bullets, and I'm like, oh crap. And then like I got sniped, like five, like five guys, like just sniped me. So the game is a lot of fun. Um, it's really slow pacing. Um, that part is starting to like wear a little bit on me. Um, but I am enjoying the aspect that I have to like plan my maneuvering. Like I have to like literally, like I, I went into a neuro, uh, with my bike too close. And so then all these zombies are like just sitting on my bike. Like they're just like, yep, go ahead try to leave now. And I'm like, crap, now I've got to figure out a way I should have left my bike like a mile back and ran to it instead. So it's just plotting and planning. So that part's really fun. Um, it was really cool. I was talking to, um, uh, I, I made a comment about it, uh, the, the wheel that we were talking about last week yeah. and, um, uh, Steve Bastic from, uh, plus one player was like, yep, same issue. Like totally terrible. That was like the worst part of the game. So I'm like, oh, I'm not alone, which is really awesome. Um, and the other thing has been watching my son play battlefront one, man. Like he's like at this point now he's like Xbox record that. So like, like he had like a, a midair snipe kill and I'm like, you got to shout Xbox record that. So he like shouted it and then got it to replay. And I, he was, he had no idea that he could do that. Cause he's old. He'll just run and tell me what he does. So yeah. now I've got like all these recordings on, on my terabyte thing, like of, of him like doing stuff. So that part's cool too. So that those two things have been fun, but yeah, I'm basically just playing uh days gone just because it's so encompassing. And th- to your point, I don't know, like I'm getting close to like, should I continue to play Days Gone because The Last of Us is coming up and it's literally going to be the same thing and I don't want to burn myself out on The Last oh, of Us point, by play, yeah. because of playing Days Gone. So I'm kind of in that place where I'm thinking maybe I'll hop into like a Nintendo game for just a bit to kind of cleanse myself before I go into The Last of Us 2. I will say probably the thing I liked most about Days Gone was um that feeling that you just described of like you got to plan ahead and like it's tough and especially the hordes right the hordes are like there's no way i can ever do anything with those things like i just can't it's impossible right um and then maybe midway through the game you'll try it once again and then you're like oh i can kind of see maybe how it would be possible but it's still i'm just still not there yet and then maybe like three quarters you get to a point where you have to beat one for a main story mission sure and you're probably going to either die once or twice, but then eventually barely be able to do it. And then eventually you have to do a few more. And by the end of the game, like you're really good at it and, and you run those fuckers and like, but you still got to plan and you still got to be strategic, but it's so much fun. Like the way your skills progress with that game um, is probably one of my favorite parts about it. Cause then by the end and once you've beaten the game and you want to go back and clear out the hordes, it's like, it's fun to do it. It's, it's really cool. Right now, it's just weapons are so scarce. Like, I can't come up with enough arrows to do, like, the silent shots to, like, take out, like, the blaring, like, speakers at the neuro... Mm. Like, I I run out, so then I have to, like, actually shoot, and then they hear me, and then I've got to run away, and then i got to come back, and then i got to run away, and then i got to come back. So, like, that's... But that's part of the gameplay loop. That's that's the loop on it. And But to be honest, the story is actually pretty good. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. the storyline so far. 
Um, right now I have to go to, um, I have a story mission where I have to go to a grave site. So like that, like that's super interesting to me and like why I have to do that in the whole nine years. So in any case, I'm really, really, I'm happy that I've, I've gone back to it. Also, uh, Sam Woodward. Yeah. Really good. Uh, it's yeah. funny when you're talking about the record that stuff, I just imagine, cause you talk about your kids playing obviously a lot of sports of like your kid doing something really cool, like at a baseball game or like a soccer game. And then he just turns to the sideline and yells, dad, record that. Record that. <laughs> He's like, I shot him with one shot. Like he was like his, it was funny because, and I'm sorry, I'm taking up some time, but his buddy got uh, shot and like this dude was like doing a dance over top of him. And he had like a, he has this gun. that's like a one shot kill on a sniper. And so the kid's in the middle doing the dance and he takes the shot, takes him right in the head, knocks him down. And his buddy's like, you just been sniped, boy. And like, so then he got like, a, actually somebody tried to like send him a message because he plays under my name just so I can verify like who's like, if somebody yeah. were to play with him, it would be a friend of mine. And uh, somebody sent a message because my messages are open. And he's like, you shoot like, and then you put the poop emoji <laughs> like down. I'm like, oh, it could have been much oh, worse. Geez. The language yeah. could have been much worse. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> 2006 playing COD Modern Warfare. Yeah. So quite the number of messages. Yeah. Uh, that's it for this week's show. Quite a bit to talk about. Uh, can't wait to have you back on the show, Chris. But before then, please let the people know where they can find you on the internet. I am on Twitter tweeting uh, quite a bit at Topher Noons, T-O-P-H-E-R-N-U-N-E-S. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's been it for this week's show, guys. If you can, please follow us on YouTube. Search Controlled Interest will pop right up. Hit the subscribe button. Like the video if you enjoy the podcast. Hit the bell notification so you're notified when we upload the new podcast. Uh, YouTube sub boxes are pretty fickle, so you can't really trust them. On Twitter, you can follow me individually at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. Like Chris said, you can follow him at Topher Noons. And collectively, you can follow us at Controlled Interest Abbreviated, which is at CTRLINT over on uh, iTunes. If you leave us a review, it helps us move up in the algorithm. So if you're one of those listeners, definitely do that. And if you listen on Spotify, thank you. I love us being on Spotify. Like I've said before, it's where I listen to podcasts. So I enjoy that we're able to have it on that service. And yeah, it's pretty much it for this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, last week when we ended the show, we didn't know that we were getting uh, Summer of Gaming and all of this stuff. So I'm pretty sure by this time next week, there'll be a bunch of things we didn't know about beforehand. Maybe that PS5 event gets, you know, dated. Maybe the Xbox June event. We'll see. But until next time, we'll catch you guys later. <laughs>